Thanks for tuning in to the Boiler Express podcast. Join us each week as we dive into all things Purdue sports. You'll hear in-depth analysis of our previous and upcoming games, as well as interviews with players and people involved in the Purdue sports fandom. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and YouTube for our live stream shows as well. Welcome back, everybody, to the Boiler Express podcast. Uh, I'm uh, Damon of the Ultimate Boiler. You've got um, <laughs> myself, right, uh, uh, Damon, the Ultimate Boiler. You've got Frank, the tank, Stat Tank. You've got Chris, or 5 Ghost, and uh, Big Ten Russ. Um, and so we're, we have a lot to talk about today. We were actually um, in our group chat earlier today kind of trying to figure out what we were all going to cram in here because we'd like to keep it at an hour. I know we don't always stick to it, but we'd like to try our best to keep to that hour mark. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk. Um, people say there's a conspiracy out there that we had a football game this past weekend. I'm not too sure about it. I haven't seen any any evidence of that. I thought we had that rare back-to-back bye week. Right. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Um, <clears throat> we're going to talk a little bit about Illinois coming up next week. Uh, Purdue in a, in a wacky scenario is still somewhat in it for the West. Um, we're going to talk a little bit basketball and then uh, good old Russ is going to lead us into another draft where um, uh, we're going to keep our lunch money today. That's I'm going to get goal. my ass handed to me again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so uh, thank you guys for all tuning in tonight. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk a little, we're going to briefly talk about Iowa. Um, uh, you know, we were all, everybody was pretty bummed out about the game. Didn't turn out how we wanted to. You could chalk it up to a lot of things. You could chalk it up to uh, it's the weather game. We all know that that's Brahms' weakness. You could chalk it up to play calling. Um, you know, a lot of different stuff. But, um, you know, there was some good stuff in there, too. And, um, Frank, if you want to chime in a little bit with that, that'd be great. Yeah, I mean, um, almost everything went wrong. I think we all know that um, for those who went to the game. But uh, some kind of takeaways, the things that went right. Uh, we did run for 116 yards, uh, which is impressive. I think we had something around 30 carries. Uh, Maccabi continues to do really well, uh, 4.6 yards per carry against the second-best defense in D1. Um, they're allowing something around three yards per carry, so that was impressive as well. And he, he's just so shifty, you know? It's like his ability to get like change direction is is almost unparalleled. Um, actually was our best pass-blocking game of the season. Only gave up one sack and five hurries. Um, Lawrence Johnson looked pretty good on the interior, had a couple sacks, and I think we kind of saw a, a, a resurgence of Sanusi Kane as well. He was definitely hitting with authorities and definitely uh, definitely made a few hits that kind of made the crowd uh, kind of go, ooh, you know, or whatnot when, when, when he laid the hit. But um, outside of that, uh, not a whole lot else uh, went well. Uh, giving up 200 yards to one running back um, after having a pretty stout run defense all season. That's That was surprising to see. And, yeah. Um, there's definitely some restlessness among the crowd as well. I, I did uh, make the trek up for that game, and um, you know there are there are a lot of boos, uh, you know, after three and outs and whatnot. Uh, um, yeah, it was just just not a fun uh, not a fun atmosphere uh, by the end of the game. But uh, I think we can definitely turn things around, and um, you know, just on to Iowa or <clears throat> Illinois. Sorry, on to Illinois. That's really erasing yeah. the game, Frank. Like awesome. <laughs> Uh, it, it's it's one that I just want to forget, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I will say that the wind was unreal. I mean, just absolutely yeah. unreal. Um, you know, being there, I was getting hit by like concessions, like pizza boxes in the back of my head, and like I uh, was having my hat blown off constantly. And and you know, the field things are getting blown all over the field, and uh, you know, yeah, it looked like puns a trash were being kicked to the right side, side, and then going out of bounds on the left side, and it was. It was crazy. Um, I mean, that being said, Iowa didn't seem to struggle to pass uh, in the wind, so um, it just yeah, it just wasn't our wasn't our day for sure. Yeah, yeah so Frank, I got a question for you. For yeah, I definitely, I definitely, it seemed like, uh, and I know it kind of came out towards the end of the week. I don't think we covered it in the podcast, but our secondary is just so banged up. We put two guys who are not even close to a hundred percent on the field, and you yeah. can tell they were just a half a step slow the entire day mm-hmm. yeah. yeah Corey trice was kind of limping uh when he was coming <laughs> off the field i know he's not 100 percent um which if there's a team we're gonna play to have him not be 100 percent, it would have been iowa um 
I mean, uh, Charlie Jones looked okay. Um, you know, and, and again, having gone to two games in a row now with both Wisconsin and Iowa, um, I, I felt like some throws were kind of forced to Charlie Jones there. Um, there was a few times where we had pain wide open across the middle and we tried to force sometimes successfully, sometimes unsuccessfully forced to throw into Charlie Jones. And, you know, I know, I know Brom said that it probably means more to the fans than it does, than the, uh, the players themselves when they play against their former team. But, um, you know, judging by the Iowa players reactions, uh, I definitely think that game meant a lot to them, you know, with Charlie and, also meant a lot to him the way he came to play. So it was unfortunate for him. He could, we couldn't get the win, but uh, like we say, Honda, Illinois. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so looking at Illinois, another <coughs> stout defense, another top 10 um, defense. And uh, we've got to go back to the drawing board um, just as a team, just got to figure some stuff out. Got to get people healthy. Um, got to figure out what's going to work. So um so yeah, what? Uh, how are you guys feeling about Illinois coming up? I, I, uh, and I've said this all year. I just don't trust Illinois to be as good as their record says they are. I know yeah. what the analytics say, and I know, I know all of that. But we saw, I mean, last week against Michigan State, who's got a bunch of five star dudes and are totally capable and are actually probably a huge disappointment, at least out of the East. But that being said, I mean, they, I mean. I just think that if we can play the offense where we're supposed to, we're kind of going to give Illinois a, a surprise that they haven't seen, but we've got to play the offense we're supposed to. Right. Well, <laughs> what's interesting about them defensively is they, they make a living on, on forcing turnovers. So they're turning their opponents over on average to 2.4 turnovers per game. Um, oh, and wow. so I think if we can, take care of the ball, which uh, was my key to winning last week. And that didn't go well. Um, I think if we can take care of the ball, uh, we have, we have a decent chance. Um, but uh, they also are turnover prone themselves. They've had a ton of fumbles. Uh, so they're averaging actually one and a half turnovers per game offensively. Um, you know, Tommy DeVito is not throwing a whole lot of interceptions, only two on the season, but he actually has had three fumbles. Um, well, with so Chase the, Brown, the, you don't even, have to throw it a lot. Yeah, the the receiving core uh, is definitely prone to prone to fumbles, and and I think you know in their running game they're kind of a one trick pony uh, with Chase Brown. He he's really uh, getting all the carries. Uh, I think he has something crazy like 258 rushes, and their second leading rusher after him has 43. Yeah. Um, so he's kind of getting the Le'Veon Bell treatment. That's the Steelers fan in me coming out, but he's he's kind of a do it all guy. Yeah. Um, so can can he can he sustain that? Can he you know play? Can he get thirty five carries a game like he has been? He's gotten as many as forty three. Um, be curious to see against our supposedly good run defense. Um, I would say a month ago I'd be cool with stacking the box and letting our DBs go one on one, but I'm really nervous about that after the last three weeks. Yeah, they have a guy Isaiah Williams uh, as a receiver. Uh, Kind of reminds me of Rondeo Moore. He's not as fast, but he's 5'10", 180, runs a 4'7", 40. So he, he's quick, but not extremely quick. Um, he has uh, 498 yards on the season, 454 after the catch. So he's a guy they're throwing too short, and he's just taken off. Um, he concerns me because I just don't know who can who can cover him. Uh, he's, he's mostly a slot guy as well. Um, so I expect that to be a coverage by committee, maybe Reese Taylor, Jamari Brown. Being that Corey Trice really isn't playing in the the slot much, but that and probably um, like a safety coverage over the top bracket him to whatever side of the field he's on. But I think if we um, if we can successfully stop the run, you know, hold them to let's say ninety yards rushing, um, you know, kind of make their offense one dimensional, uh, and we can contain this guy, um, I think we have a chance. I think if we can disguise some coverages, maybe force an interception or two. Um, really, really play to knock balls loose since these guys tend to dip the ball in motor oil before they play, it seems. Uh, I think that's going to be our key to winning is to steal some possessions. Um, but defensively, they're good. They're not great. They're not forcing a whole lot of uh, QB pressure. And, um, you know, you give eight in time, we all know what's going to happen there. But I think given all that, um, it's hard for me to predict a win right now. I'm really dejected in terms of how I'm feeling about this team. But, um yeah, it's it's hard. Go, be, sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. I say I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go thirteen ten. Good guys on this one. 
I think it's going to be a low-scoring affair. And the, the, the defense regains my trust. Yeah, it's just hard because, um, I mean, even just after the Nebraska game, there was so much hope for – and there still is. I mean, we still very well could go eight and four, which is, again, funny now thinking thinking about, you know, introspectively, you know, where this team was just a few years ago versus now. We're, um, you know, we're all upset about a potentially eight and four season instead of nine and three because nine and three just looks so much cooler than eight and four. It really does. Um, but it's a cool, that's, uh, you know, a really cool place to still be in. Um, good problem to have. yeah. Um, and I will say it, somebody, I can't remember who I saw on Twitter said, they said, you know, it'd be the most Purdue thing for Purdue to win out for the rest of the year and then not, <laughs> not make it to Indy, maybe get a share of the title, but still not make it to Indy just based off of, um, you know, the, all the, the ties that we've got going on in the big 10 right now. Um, but yeah, it's it is you know I agree with you, Frank. It's hard to be super positive about football right now because it doesn't. I think it's hard for us to get behind football when football doesn't seem like the team doesn't seem like they're getting behind themselves. And and again, you know, there's lots of injury. There's a lot of things that are attributing to that performance last week. There's the weather. There's injuries. There's a lot going on there. Um, but it just felt like you know there was like a. Not much, you know, that I remember that that first drive, that first, uh, you know, first few plays was like, oh, wow, this is awesome. This is a great start. And then um, it just feels like we never picked it up after that. Um, and so I'm really hoping that they can switch around. I know Brom has been able to switch around before. I remember what was what was the year? Was it 2018 or 19? The the Ohio State game when we started the year off 0 and 3 and then won four straight. I think we started yep. that year losing to like Eastern yeah, Michigan. That. And, I was just looking at that. Yeah. So, you know, he's he's got the track record of starting off, uh, you know, kind of sliding and then picking back up. But, uh, you know, we'll see with it being this early in the year or with this late in the year with all the injuries that have occurred, um, you know, kind of a lot to uh, – it could be a lot to overcome, I should say. Um, and so I think right now, at least the way I feel like I'm feeling – Frank, the way you're feeling might be just kind of like a, you know, prove it to us, you know, show us that you want it and want to fight for it. Um, and so, so yeah, uh, you know, hopefully they come out fighting, hopefully they come out swinging and we see this Jeff Brom offense that we all have come to know and love over the last few years. <clears throat> so, yeah, yeah, I'd say, um, also, I'm looking at the stats here from their game against Michigan State. Something's really sticking out to me: total yards. Michigan State only had 294 total yards of off, uh, total yards of offense. Illinois had almost 500, and uh, still, you know, didn't pull it out. Um, so I find that. And then they also had 25 first downs compared to Mich Michigan State's um, 17. So yeah, they actually averaged 10 more <laughs> first downs. Uh, per game than their opponents, which is crazy uh, to think about. That is wild. And you know what's crazy is they, I mean, that team was seven and one going into that game and they still couldn't mm -hmm. sell out Memorial Stadium with That's their wild. only loss to coming yeah. to Indiana, too. This even crazier. And, you know, one, one thing that inspires me uh, that, that makes me think that this could be a turnaround game uh, for us is Brahm's demeanor in that press conference. He, he was, trying his hardest to contain his anger like yeah. he, he's normally a pretty reserved pretty even keeled guy but you could tell he was he had just chewed a whole team out in the locker room before that um mm. and i think it just has to do with a lack of execution not a lack of game plan or not a lack of play calling it's just a lack of execution and uh you know he was he was pretty harsh on aiden comparatively speaking uh normally he's pretty reserved and he said, you know, he got the ball out of his hands too quickly and, you know, and, and, you know, you know missed, missed a wide open guy, didn't give him time to get open. And another guy, you know, threw the ball right over his head and, you know, on an easy check down and, um, you know, was, was fairly critical of him in that regard. So I, I, I think it's going to be a different week of practice for them. Um, and he, he flat out said, we're not as good as we think we are. Um, and I think that's kind of a reality check. Cause you can, you can, you can cast off the Wisconsin game and say, oh, was, that was a fluke, but back-to-back -back flukes maybe it's not a fluke right yeah i would um yeah and it's 
I would, uh, I would say, you know, I don't like giving predictions to, especially when I don't feel good about a win, Frank. Um, so I'm just going to say, like, the keys to the game, you know, echo what Brom's saying, you know, or at least read into what he said in the post-game press conference. On offense, I think it's as simple as, as AOC goes is how we're going to go. Because like you said, you know, we still did decent on the ground against Iowa, but it was his reads and some of his force feeds that that basically cost us that game. We actually, speaking of first downs with Illinois and Michigan State, we had more first downs than they did, like by, I think by two or something like that. We had mm-hmm. more first downs. And if you watch just the highlights, we had spark plays. You know, Charlie Jones did make some plays, big catches. But, you know, it's the – the bad reads, the force feeds that I think gets AOC in trouble. And maybe it's getting to his head that he could be a draft pick. You know, he could be a second or third day pick. And so he's trying to really show off and do really well and maybe get his boy, Charlie Jones there with him. And maybe that was a reality check with Iowa of like, Hey, you might, this might be all you get. So you might want to just try to win this game and you might want to do what needs to take, what needs to be done to, to win this game. So on offense, I think that's as simple as it is for the keys of the game on offense is, is he going to take care of the ball and make the right reads and be patient enough? On defense, it's – I wouldn't say stop the run, Frank. You said stop the run, but we've stopped the run. We, we talked about, especially like Syracuse, it's the mm-hmm. big plays that throw off our averages. You know, we we stop them 90% of the time. It's those big plays where we miss three or four tackles and they bust one. It's the fundamentals. So on defense, if we play fundamentally sound and we keep those big plays under wraps, then, yeah, I could see another battle where it's, you know, it's 13-10 or 17-14 or, you know, 16-13, something like that and gets us kind of back on the right side of the mojo and, you know, Northwestern and I use some good medicine to close the season out with, and then maybe we can have some momentum going into a bowl game. So that's where I'm at. Agreed. And yeah, the, uh, yeah, you, you are right. You know, we, we've done a good job stopping the run. We didn't this last week, but um, you know, Tommy DeVito, he, he's a kind of a Russell Wilson type and that, they're not really drawing up plays for him, but he can tuck the ball and run. Uh, so as soon as there's no option, you know, he's good to, to just tuck it and run, uh, which, you know, we saw what happened with Garrett Schrader in that regard. The majority of Syracuse's rushing yards came from him. Um, but I like your take, Russ, you know, just contain the big plays. So we talked about it a little bit um, earlier today, and I kind of want to challenge you on it, Frank, because you just mentioned a little bit ago saying that, you know, you felt okay or good, you know, with uh, Coach Brom's play calling. And um, I, in my opinion, I was kind of a little frustrated. It seemed like, um, you know, I didn't get to watch the full game. Uh, I didn't get to watch a lot of the second half, just doing other, you know, family stuff. Um, but it looked like, you know, uh, especially I think one um, set of plays that comes to mind is at the end of that first half, you know, three pass plays in a row um, when you're on the two or three yard line instead of running with Maccabee when Maccabee's the one that got you down there um, on the previous play. Um so and then I think in the press conference, you know, he said something like I may have asked Aiden to throw it too much or something like that. And it's like, mm-hmm. come on, man, you know, take some well, more accountability than that. Well, well, he 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 did put a lot of it on himself. <laughs> but, um, you know, he did say that that first play that was a, a kind of a post fade, uh, I think, to TJ Sheffield was actually mm-hmm. an RPO. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Aiden made the wrong. Read. He said he next time I should just call run made the wrong read. Yeah, I shouldn't give him that option. I guess I gave yeah, him that option uh, and he had that right. But but I, next time I'll just call run play. <laughs> yeah well, and then you, you couldn't really hear it on tv and i did go back to watch but on that third down the crowd was chanting run the ball <laughs> i mean that was uh, uh i just kind of like had to put my head down it's like are you serious and then, and then he you know aiden takes a sack um yeah so that was that was definitely a tough uh tough series but you know uh, I, I stand by Brahms play calling. I really do. You know, the guy knows what he's doing. It's one of those scenarios where, you know, if it works, you look like a genius. If it doesn't, you look like an idiot. And sometimes you're going to be, you know, it's a double-edged sword. Sometimes you're going to be on both sides of that. You are going to be on both sides of that. He's a little risky and gutsy with his play calling, but it's either going to win a game. Uh, it may cost us a game as well, but I don't think he should change. I think that the play calling on like the first and goal or whatever, it made sense from the standpoint that, Maccabee's not an outside running guy. So if you hand it to him 95% of the time, he's going pretty much straight up the middle in between the tackles. So now there's stuff in the middle of the box and we're still going to lose yards where you can at least with a pass, maybe get some more opportunities. That said, you could have ran a jet sweep with the sweep with Dion Burks or, or Sheffield or somebody, you know? Yeah, so there's a lot of- yeah, there's a lot of what ifs, but yeah. Um, I think that it's back to basics 
a little bit Absolutely. this week. Um, I think it's just getting back to, and by back to basics, I also mean back to basics in, in the trick plays. We just haven't seen a lot of the gadget plays or scoreable, squirrely plays that we normally see. And, and I understand when, when things aren't going right, you don't want to throw it out there, but at the same time, I'd like to see one or two just because that helps. That's a momentum shifter. You know what I mean? If you get a big 60 yard play because of a triple flea flicker option punt pass, then, you know, you, you, you shift that momentum a little bit and go from there. But, and, um, and, um, sorry, were, were you, no. my bad. No, I was just going to say about with what Brom was saying about, he may have, uh, asked Aiden to to throw too much. I think that's the best way of him saying I screwed up without being like I totally shit the bed play calling. Like he can't say that because then he loses his players in the locker room. I think that he made that point without going out there and just completely losing the confidence of everybody in the organization. Yeah, and I, man that's the one thing that like, you know, uh, in regards to his play calling, like Sure, Aiden O'Connell's great quarterback. Love him passing the ball, but pass it to somebody else than Charlie freaking Jones. You got Payne Durham on in the on the field. You've got TJ Sheffield. You've got uh is Mershawn Rice, is he injured or is he still in the rotation out there? You know, Dion uh, Burks. He didn't play much, but you know, we had a couple throws <laughs> to Yassine, which I like to see as yeah, well. Yeah, Yassine. I mean, we've got a lot of really good wide receiver talent in that room, like spread. You know, spread the ball around uh, a little I, bit. I think the idea there, and just knowing what I know about quarterbacks and what I've read, and just watching football forever, I think a lot of that is Aiden knows he's in a funk, and he has the best connection with anybody else on that football team with Charlie that's Jones. A good point. That's a really and good that's point. a security blanket. He knows he can get back into a rhythm, and then they're teaming up on him, which makes it. You know, it's just kind of it's a double edged sword because you want the kid to get back into a rhythm with the guy. He knows best than anybody else, but when they're triple teaming him, it, it's just. I, I it agree sucks. about ninety five percent of that because going into the season, we saw Durham as a security blanket, and hearing Frank describe being at the game, seeing Durham sprint wide open across the middle of the field, and he's the one he's missing. That that one hurts me a little bit, um, but Durham still, even comparatively, you know, we've talked about him. I don't know after this week or maybe even Wisconsin, but halfway through the season, he was still leading tight ends in the country in some stats. So it's not like he has mm -hmm. a blow average. It just looks so dwarf compared to Charlie Jones. So, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's I rough. think Durham is getting a little bit of his, but, yeah, everybody else <laughs> has got to get involved for sure. Yeah, I was shocked whenever somebody shared that stat in our group chat because it definitely doesn't feel like he's touching yeah, the ball yeah. nearly that much. And I will say, and Brom made a point of it, I think, of the postgame presser or in Monday, guys just aren't breaking off coverage. Also, that's the other thing, like Mershon, Dion Burke, stuff like that, like yeah, just aren't getting off coverage. Think. So, at least, yeah, so I think, that. I think AOC understands that, you know, it, it, guy can be draped all over him and he'll still catch the ball compared to not having that. But is that the result the of games. a wide receiver yeah. going, hey, I'm not going to bust my rear end getting open every single play of the game to get one target? You know, if you're just going to throw it, then yeah. turn your gear in. If Lots you're not going to bust your play on every turn, every time, then turn it into somebody else yeah, who will. True. Yeah. yeah, that's that's those are all all valid Lots points. Of good points. And, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I I just felt like you know Riley Moss, who could probably contend for the best corner in the Big Ten, um, you know, along with Joey Porter Jr. It seemed like we just kept throwing to the guy he was covering, which is mostly mm -hmm. Charlie. Um, which I thought was odd. You know, we we went to him in the end zone with the TJ Sheffield attempt, uh, and uh, now he did. He did. We did get him on the uh, on the pass interference when he got a handful of jersey, but that was an intentional, you know, pi. But um, you know, maybe not throwing to the team's best coverage guy over and over again didn't really work against Penn State and didn't work against Iowa. Um, like I understand the concept coming from like a Peyton Manning team watching that all the time and like like dinging on the best guy on the team because that's really a morale killer when your best cornerback's getting his tail kicked mm -hmm. in the entire game. That said, once it's not working, we have to stop. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, because yeah, I almost worry about, um, you know, losing, um, you know, like you said, Aiden's trying to get his – maybe he's trying to get his confidence back, trying to get in the rhythm of things, so he's really throwing to the guy he's connected with a lot. Um, I just hope that that in, in some odd way isn't <clears> – <throat> isn't diminishing the connection he's got with his other wide receivers, the other team, you know, we want everybody to be all in. 
uh, on the team because, uh, you know, in Purdue, I think that's how it has to work. Everybody has to be all in um, for for it to work and to, for it to be successful. So I just hope that there's not any, like, um, what's the right word here? Um, we're not burning any bridges or anything with anybody else on the team. You know what I mean? I just yeah. hope that it's um, – but anyway, uh, we've all – we I, I feel like we've talked about – We've talked about football enough. We need to, we need to spice it up. We need to, um, you know, we've got exciting stuff. There's college basketball happening right now on our TVs, uh, which is really fun to see again. It's, it feels good to watch some college basketball. Um, can't wait for to see some crazy upsets as the college basketball season gets underway. Um, you know, I think we've already seen some not upsets yet, but just some teams contending with uh, big opponents so far, um, starting tonight, which is just. It's just fun. It's exciting. It's college basketball. So it's good to have that back again. Um, but yeah, um, you know, in particular, Purdue's got their game coming up tomorrow night. A lot of fresh faces on this team. Um, a lot of freshmen, uh, potentially a couple starters that are freshmen as well. Um, but we also have a, a, a transfer that maybe a lot of people don't know about. Um, and Frank um, diligently did some on DJJ or David Jenkins Jr. Is that it? David Jenkins Jr. Yeah, yeah, uh, and the, uh, the the commentary the other night referred to him as Derek Jenkins Jr. Uh, multiple times, <laughs> and they also said he transferred from Iowa um, when he transferred so from Kansas. So, BTN minus, yeah, good job, BTN yeah. minus. I like that. <laughs> no, hashtag BTN minus. Friend it, guys. Come on. He's <laughs> yeah. He's so pete. He's he's a he's he's a pretty dynamic player, you know. And obviously, when guys you know come from a low major program, he started it. Was at South Dakota State. Um, you know, it's a uh, it, it's hard to get information on these guys. Um, but uh, just a few quick things about him. You know, one thousand eight hundred fifty seven career points, which is impressive. Um, you know, three hundred twenty three three pointers made. Um, his sophomore season, he actually was ninth in D one in three point percentage. <laughs> Um, what's interesting is that when you look at his contested three-pointer percentage, it's been pretty good, um, 40% or higher in his first two seasons. So he's definitely a guy that can hit the three, uh, definitely a guy who can hit, hit contested threes. And if, if you check him out on YouTube, you can actually see a video of him uh, hitting a half-court buzzer beater to win a game nice. at South Dakota State. I think one kind of interesting thing about him um, is that last season he sort of had a drop off in minutes uh, twice throughout the season. He, his minutes got limited and there was really no um, kind of explanation why people kind of speculated an injury uh, Utah fans did, but it was never confirmed. Um, but he was never eliminated from play, but it, you know, he saw his minutes drop from 25 down to three for a couple of games, then back up for a couple of games and then down again. So he kind of had a mystery season, um, you know, from that standpoint, but uh, above average defender, uh, he played point guard out of necessity his first two seasons and then kind of transitioned to a two. He's more of a natural two in terms of his ability. He's not really an assist guy. Uh, career uh, assist percentage is less than 10, so not a guy who's going to get you a whole lot of dimes. But um, low turnover percentage as well, only 11%, uh, 0.78 assist to turnover ratio. So definitely a guy who's looking to score, mm -hmm. but definitely has the ability to, uh, to play the point guard for us. I think he's going to be a great player uh, in a Purdue uniform for sure. Uh, looked really good the other night against Truman State, as did a, a lot of players. Um, knocked down a couple a couple open threes. Was actually three for four from three uh, in that game. Um, two of those, I think, came in transition, too, which is pretty impressive. But um, honestly, I'm excited about this team. I was really impressed with what we saw for, uh, from Trey Kaufman-Ren as well. Um, no, definitely really a Swiss Army knife. Six for seven from the floor. Um, you know, just... I can kind of do everything type of guy. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to see, see what this team does. Sounds like night. a WWE tag team. TKR and DJJ in the house. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. Like the, uh, oh, what was it? Uh, Road Dog and um, Billy Gunn, badass Billy Gunn. Yeah. They do that whole intro. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen that one, but yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And Ooh, you know, one thing when I was girls. <laughs> One thing when I look at the uh, the stat sheet from you know our exhibition <laughs> game is uh, Caleb first had eleven points, um, which, which which is great and what I love to see. But I I feel like he didn't have a great game, um, and maybe I'm just focusing on you know the shots that didn't go down. Um, but you know to see him with uh, 
11 points on nine, nine shots is, is good. Um, his, his defense, you know, he was kind of a step behind, um, uh, several times he got caught, you know, uh, switching incorrectly and, and, you know, not, uh, kind of not looking in the right spot and guys kind of blew right by him. But I think, I think we're going to see that improve. Um, saw that a little bit from Brandon Newman. I was a little concerned there. Um, but, uh, you know, he made up for it offensively. Definitely. It also helps that, you know, we were running plays for him. As soon as he came into the game, we ran a stagger that got him an open three, uh, which he actually turned into a curl for more of a two. But, um, you know, it's good to see him get going early. But, but it I'm, seems um, like that the off or the defensive stuff for Newman seemed like it was way more in the first half, but the second half it seemed to flatten off. And like, that I agree with completely. Yeah. You know, and and gosh, I just <laughs> I I love Matt Painter uh, because you know he sits down in the press conference and the first thing he talks about was you know how how he doesn't like the team's defense. <laughs> you know, you can say yeah, we scored 102 points, team looked great. You know, we had all this often offensive accolades, and the first thing he starts talking about was no, we we were exploited yeah. defensively. Um, and you know, I think in the first half they definitely hit some circus shots that went in. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, to some extent, he's right. But I think he's being a little more harsh than he should be. But which is crazy because they only shot like thirty six percent for the game. And um, it, it was kind of so. You guys talked about Newman. You talked about um, first as well. And um, I watched a little bit of that get that game too on a. Uh, uh, I don't know. Some somebody had a, just a stream of it going on Twitter. It was like a periscope of the of the game. Um, I found. Um, it was all right. The guy was like commentating over the game the whole time, which was whatever, but I just muted it. Can't be any worse um, than BPM minus. Yeah, that's yeah, that's not a that's not a bad take at all. But um, but, you know, I think the guys that maybe struggled on defense a little bit or just maybe didn't look as crisp and clean. I feel like they're just kind of shaking off the cobwebs of last year, kind of because I think this team's dynamic is a lot different this year than last year's. Um, and I think that uh like you guys both said you know those are going to get corrected um i think pretty quickly hopefully um so i, I i'm hoping that that's just kind of lingering from maybe last year and then it'll it'll tune up as the the season goes on because i definitely think it will i think the you know i love uh braden smith as a defender um he he was in as soon as the guy crossed half court he was in his grill the whole time i mean it was just yeah. awesome to, to watch and that was an exhibition game too um so Super exciting stuff. Uh, I thought he had a good game. He's got a really good vision as well. He is always looking for somebody open. He's, you know, um, to to sometimes his disadvantage where he's just throwing the ball and the guy's not ready for it at all. I think that I saw him try to pass <laughs> to, to Fletcher Lawyer and Lawyer wasn't even looking his way. Lawyer was wide open, but he was still he was still cutting to I think the corner of the uh, the court to like the corner three um, instead of being there for the for the open pass. Um, so I think they're going to tune that up as they practice together and build that chemistry. Um, but I think he's going to, he's got great. I'm, I'm so excited for Braden Smith, yeah. um, to, it, to put it in short. It's an interesting to, to say that because I, I, I was also incredibly impressed with Braden Smith's performance and to, you know, to talk about, you know, sing praises of this guy, uh, and he had zero points, you know? And so to talk about how impressive he was, you know, for a guy who didn't score a point, um, you know, he's over two from the floor. So it wasn't like he was, you know, throwing up a bunch of shots, but um, man, those, those no look passes were just so impressive. And, you know, I, we couldn't really get one to go down. I know one, they, they blew a whistle due to an injury right when Morton caught the ball right into the basket. Yeah. Um, another one, you know, Gillis caught and then kind of had to navigate around a defender to go up for the layup. So it wasn't, you know, an immediate assist, but uh, yeah, he looks good. He's quick. He's always looking for, you know, the open guy and he definitely has a high basketball IQ. That's for mm -hmm. sure. And, you know, to talk about the other freshman lawyer going one for seven, um, you know, Painter said in the press conference that he he can make all those shots that he took. Um, so that, that I'm not really concerned there, uh, you know, especially at this point. But I'll, I'll be curious to see if both of those guys start this season opener. I don't know if that was a let's get these guys experience, you know, type of call to, to put them in the game or uh, if they actually will be starting. But uh, regardless, I'm I'm confident and I'm confident in this team and anyone we have on the floor at this point. Yeah, and to to take a quick step back on Braden Smith and the, I know I'll close the door on that. Um, you talked about him not having any points and us singing his praises. And I think that I mean he looks like a a true point guard. Like he's a floor general. He's looking, you know, he's 
he's, he's looking for the play. He's not necessarily looking for the points, uh, which is really cool because I think it's been a little bit since maybe Purdue's necessarily had that. Um, so I think that's that's really neat. But um, yeah. And his but defense yeah. was really good to me. Like mm-hmm. I felt like he moved his feet really well. He stuck on the guys. I would love to know what Chris Kramer thinks about him because I just I kept thinking about Chris the whole game. Just we'll just have him, him on uh, have him on the yeah. podcast. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. If you're listening uh, or when you listen, I should say. Yeah, yeah, because I think he is in Israel, so I think it's a little yeah. bit of a yeah. time change. Um, one thing we, I think it's worth mentioning right. too: four turnovers. Four turnovers. It's yeah. it's the fewest yeah. in an exhibition game under Painter. So yes, it's an exhibition game. Not maybe the greatest team or the greatest talent we played against, but it's the fewest in Painter's 17 seasons against an exhibition opponent. So, um, Brantley, Coach Brantley was on the Painter show this evening. You know that if you've listened to that and then you're coming to listen to us. But um, one of the insights he gave was that he thinks this is going to be that kind of team that takes care of the ball and does the little things right. That last year's team knew how talented they were. They knew how much they could overcome things with their offensive firepower. And they maybe didn't do the little things as well because they didn't focus on them. And there was also this feeling in the room last year that that's going to catch up to them. And it obviously it did at the end. But this team is not going to do that. This team, I think, is going to be much more focused on taking care of the ball, doing the little things, playing your role. Because um, there's not one guy that, you know, yeah, we've got some some dominant guys in, in Edie and some returning guys that that we know what they could do and bring to the, the, the um, table. But, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be more of a team and cohesive group and Brantley said that too coach Brantley said this is much feels much more of a a group and family feeling than last year said last year they were close yes and you know every team's kind of close and has a family atmosphere but that this team really really has a certain mesh to them that he's excited to see go throughout the year um and the last note I'm gonna make on on lawyer and Smith so Braden Smith played purely point guard and we were impressed with how he played but do you know who led us in assists Fletcher lawyer Six assists. Uh, I can tell you. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's impressive. Yeah. But also, great <laughs> yeah, think, uh, six rebounds. I six think rebounds this, team reminds me, this team reminds me a lot of that team that uh, that ran off 19 straight. Um, that team yeah. assisted the ball a lot. Like the assist to shot made ratio was damn near one to one. Um, it was yes. just do what 28 to 40, 28 assists on 40 made. Yeah, goals, I'm not so saying, yeah, I meant yeah. from from that 19 win, oh, yeah, 19 yeah. straight yeah. win or whatever it was, team. Um, yeah. they they did a lot of that, and this team kind of going back to how much Painter said that this team's almost unselfish to a fault. Um, I think that I think this will be it'll be good. This team feels, and I've said it once, I'll say it a hundred times. We don't have that one guy that's going to backpack the rest of this team. And I think that's going to make a lot of guys step up because they know they can't take an easy night because the star first round lottery pick is going to carry the weight. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm really excited about this year because I personally don't have I don't have expectations, not because I don't think that this team can't do something really cool. But there's just so there's just a lot of unproven stuff uh, going into this year. Um, and so, you know, I think this year is going to be a really fun year. I think we're going to win some games. Maybe people don't expect us to win. I think, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be a really fun year, uh, a really good team building year. And then I'm, I'm I'm not looking towards next year already. But I mean, hello, Miles Colvin. I cannot wait for you to get here. Um, and then mixed in with all these guys, too. Uh, you know, I think especially next year's team could really be a you know uh, a contender um so i'm just i'm just excited for for basketball uh you know somebody said maybe it was last year or this year painter is not uh you know rebuilding anymore he's reloading so uh he doesn't rebuild he just reloads with the talent that he's bringing in so uh, i'm excited yeah yep, i'll be but- curious to see who um you know we know wilberg is redshirting but how that situation plays out um, I listened to an interview with Painter that dropped tonight with, uh, you know, the intention or the expectation of hearing that. And he was asked about it and he said, no, you know, no decisions have been made yet. Um, so See, CBD BTN or BTN GBI, whatever it's called now, um, posted something the other day. Yeah, I think Berg's the only one that's, I think it's Heidi and maybe some of the other if he's yeah. or not. 
that they should redshirt again. Oh, maybe yeah, I'm. I mean, the, so it's speculated that Heidi is redshirting. Oh, okay. Um, Sorry, I which was only eleven happened. minutes the other night. Um, maybe you know it went, but uh, TBD on him yeah. still. But Berg is. Yeah, I don't think there's a big need yeah. for Heidi. All right, so um, everybody, buckle your seats or. You know, buckle in, put your helmets on. Your um, just gonna just gonna put a warning out there. We are doing another draft, so if you're mad about it, <clears throat> I'm so sorry. We're up. probably gonna Warren disappoint Johnson. you again this time, but uh, hopefully you can just laugh at us and <clears throat> in, in our picks if uh, you know whatever, and just have a good time with it. You know, and and pick your teams along with us as well. Uh, Russ is gonna explain this draft. It's a little bit different than last time. It's still basketball related, um, but we're gonna have some fun Johnson. with it. So. Yeah, so um, you know, we had like we were talking about at at previous episodes that we're brainstorming and um, thinking up some new ideas for drafts, and we did have some football ideas we tossed around and different things. But on the tails of this last weekend, we thought, you know, with basketball starting tomorrow, season opener, we'll do another basketball themed draft, but we're going to do it geared towards this season. So we're going to do a three on three squad with players from this year's squad. So. As we just talked about, Berg's redshirted. He's the only one that's really off limits. Well, him and Frost being out with the ACL. So, aside from that, anyone's on the board. Um, you know, I've got the first pick. I didn't do that on purpose. Damon did it, so don't pick on me. I didn't make it that way. So if I if I steal much money again, it's not my fault, y'all. Not my fault. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna I guess talk through kind of my thought process for the draft and my first pick is. You know, this team has got strengths. Um, obviously, our front court is the strength and the known going into this year. And we've got four really good guys that give us probably the best four-man front court group in the country. And so I'm sitting there thinking, okay, well, we're probably each going to get one of them. But in the off chance one of y'all takes two and I get left with, you know, three little guys, I'm in big trouble. So I'm, I've got to go big guy. That's my, my first thought was like, I've got to get a big guy. I've got to get an anchor. And um, as much as you want to – Think about this as, okay, three-on-three is a different game than five-on-five. So you want a guy that's mobile. You want a guy that does everything, that can hit threes, that can get outside. I was really, really ready to just say, okay, the first, the one-on-one. But the more I thought about if one of you guys gets a guard and pairs him up with Zach Eady, then you're going to be unstoppable because you're going to have a guy that, you know, if Zach Eady's pulling a guy off somebody in a five-on-five situation, that's three other defenders on four other guys. If he pulls off a defender in a three-on-three game, that means you got two guys that you can just split the court with. He's always going to be open. So give me Zach Eady. He's going to be my anchor, my first guy. He's going to control the inside. Yeah, the other whoever I end up with is going to have to help him on the perimeter, sure. But even Coach Brantley was talking about he's working on his foot footwork. He's working on being more agile. And he's obviously still the starter for a reason. So, you know, it's not enough of a liability for him to be on the bench. So give me Zach Eady. All right. There's really and then, no uh, way you, you can not take Zach Heady with the number one overall pick. Right. I just, yeah. Right. I'm thinking of like, because I'll play NBA 2K sometimes with some buddies and do like three on three. And I have a seven, I don't know what that, whatever the max height is on that game. I think it's seven three and like my max <laughs> wingspan. And I just pull in all the rebounds. And, and so, yeah. Um, you know, he's going to be, a, and, you know, the next tallest person uh, to Zach is, is who is it? Is it, is it Caleb first? Yeah. Um, that's available. Yeah. So 6'10 versus 7'4 already. So there's a, uh, a good mismatch right there. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, so the draft order is, uh, as you guys saw, Russ is number one, Chris or five August is number two. Uh, I'm number three. And then Frank is rounding us out at, fourth and then it's snake draft so then frank will get two picks in a row so chris you are on the clock uh, i think <clears throat> don't do it i think i'm gonna take caleb first for the obvious reason just because i think that he is the closest one that can body down low um especially given the fact that He's already doing it in practice all the time anyway, so he kind of knows. But also at the same time, he kind of creates a little bit of a matchup problem because first can run around like a yep. little demon yep. and um, cause him. I mean, we've seen some of those smaller guys. The, the stereotypical today's NCAA 5 compared to 1990s 5, um, and that's caused uh, Zach Eady a little bit of trouble at times. That's why we 
switch out him and um, Travion at times. But that's my thought. Um, Caleb first. I assumed you were taking Edie, so first yeah. was I mean, that, be my like, like I told you, that was the only guy I was thinking about, mm. possibly over Edie for all the reasons you said. So that's that's a great pick, <clears> and it's actually going chalk on my board so far as far as one and two. So good pick. On, well, on Damon. Well, well. Yeah, we know how good I do under Carson's pressure. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to go with Director of Player Development, uh, <laughs> PJ Thompson. No. Um, you you pick two current guys in the five on five draft, so you should have this team on lock. Like, you should know who you want here. Yeah. Yeah. You're like halfway there. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, uh, I'm stuck between I'm stuck between either TKR or Mason Gillis. Uh, Gillis is a proven glue guy. TKR is exciting. He's unknown, but had a great, um, you know, freshman or he had a great uh, exhibition go. game. Um, uh, you know, he's six nine, so I think I'm gonna go with TKR just based off of height. Um, you know, somebody's gonna have to go up against Edie and and uh, first. And, you know, he's going to have to be the guy to do it. Um, and then he's just got a, a ton of promise. So I'm going to go with the, the redshirt freshman, Trey Kaufman-Wren. Good pick. Great pick. Great pick. Well, and so that kind of leaves one obvious choice. <laughs> um, given that we are a front court, you know, dominant team, um, I got to go with Mason Gillis again. I am um, so surprised. You know, he's experienced his oh redshirt junior. Uh, he's the hardest playing player on the court, uh, can do everything, can score down low, can can uh, shoot threes, which, which you need. You need versatility, mm -hmm. um, you know, in the uh, in the three-on-three. Three. So you kind of need three guys who are interchangeable. Um, you know, I I personally wouldn't pick, you know, a big, you know, 7-4 guy, 3-on-3, <laughs> three three, but, you know. I think you just said uh, he's the um, So, yeah, going to have to go with uh, with Mason Gillis. One -on -one, um, how you don't take him first, but – I was actually, oh, yeah, no, no, yeah. I was actually I'm, tossed I'm, up between Mason and K and uh, and first, yeah. Mm -hmm. Just for yeah, the simple yeah, fact that I was yeah. thinking of that like workhorse mm -hmm. Grady Eifert type. Yeah, well, and, and and you know, speaking of interchangeability, you know, uh, Gillis is kind of a small four. You know, he's uh, six six, but a, definitely a natural four. And so to to add some offensive firepower there, um, gonna add. Oh, Brandon Newman. Okay. Okay. I yeah. thought I thought you were going to take the guy yeah, that you Newman. were talking up earlier, but okay. Okay. Uh yeah, TBD, <laughs> TBD. Oh, he's uh, not making it. But I'm, I'm I'm going with uh with with uh Trident <laughs> uh so I'm going to go with Brandon Newman. Again, another redshirt junior, a guy with a lot of experience. We all know he went through his woes last year, but um you know, just a, a guy who can hit the 3, you know, over 40 40% career uh three-point shooter just uh, can't can't leave that experience uh, on the bench for sure, or on the draft board, I guess. Yeah. Do, yeah that, do, that's do, for do, your first do, pick do. there, or second pick of Brandon Newman. Your first pick of the second round, to me, it was where the draft really really started because, you know, the big four men were my top four on the board. You have to take one of them your first pick, right. and then after that, it's like, okay, so where are you going to go? You can go with experience. You're going to go with, you know, new blood that's got a lot of hype. And you you know, what are you going to do? So they had Brandon Newman's a good pick though. He's definitely shown. The most promise of anybody that's left as far as in a pretty uniform, I think. So Ethan Morton, we're all pulling for. He keeps seeming to get that breakthrough, but Brandon Newman actually put up, you know, freshman of the week, you know, type of numbers and performances in the Big Ten his freshman year. So he's he's done it. We know he can do it. So um, Painter said a lot of the lack of offense from Ethan Morton has to do with him, though with with, with Painter, you know, just playing on teams that, that we just had so many dominant players, Trevion, Zach, Jaden around him, but he, he expects Morton to, to take off offensively this year. I mean, he's capable of it. He was something like a 30 point average senior year in high school. Like he's, he, he, he's a four-star recruit. He yeah. can play the game, yeah. uh, but he's really embraced his role and uh, I you expect to like, see more from him. So it certainly wouldn't be yeah, a bad you sound like you're well just announcing Damon's picture. <laughs> yeah. Damon's on the board. So, yeah. And with that being said, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I love it. And with the second pick in the 2022 three-on-three -three Purdue Boilermaker draft, I'm going to have to go with the man, with the 6'7 guard, Ethan Morton, nice. as my number two. 
um you know he's got the experience he um he's just got a he's just a really fun guy to watch play basketball and i think he i, I think he and tkr could just have some good mm -hmm. chemistry together um i met tkr at an insomnia cookies one day on campus didn't say anything to him because i was too scared but you know seems like a good guy um uh, so um uh, i don't know what any of that has to do with my pick but um <laughs> But yeah, it's I'm gonna a, go. It was with a great anecdote, though. I, yeah. I appreciate yeah. it, <laughs> dude. He was so. I remember I walked in and like, I was fanboying to a point that I'm not proud of. I I just kept elbowing my cousin, dude. dude it's TKR. It's TKR. He's like, what? It's like it's TKR. He's like, <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, Ethan. Uh, you know, uh, proven three point shooter. Um, maybe not proven is not a strong word, but good three-point shooter i think he can drive the ball as well um at times so some, yeah some big dunks eat, eat last year like eat a couple of in. like you know hype you know bring bring the mackie roof down dunks last year so yeah mm -hmm. well chris you are up who's going to be paired with caleb first i know i'm thinking hold on a second Wait. <laughs> all right um, i think the next pick i'm gonna have is and this is i don't know this might shock you this might not shock you um i think i'm gonna go with braden smith i think no, no that doesn't shock me i want someone well he's young he's proven in high school that he can shoot he's proven that he, i mean just in the game the other day like we what we counted three or four assists that probably should have been counted had there not been fouls or freaking other stupid crap or guys just not prepared for it I think once he gets into that gel of everything, I think he's going to be. Uh, I think he's going to be decent. So I'm going to take him. Yeah. So you guys uh, obviously learned from your last experience and um, did your homework because that <laughs> literally was my front seven or my top seven. Those first seven picks. So. Um, nope. I literally have just. <laughs> well, hey, it. you you all did. Hey, you did better. You did better. I'm proud of y'all. Yeah. Um, I was really hoping Braden Smith when it got this far was going to drop to me. Um, yeah, he's, you know, obviously got a lot of hype to him. Painters talk about him being, you know, the guy that's going to come out and everybody's going to go, why wasn't it a top 75 player? Why, why was he not ranked higher? Um, you know, he's mm -hmm. already been hyped up as our only true point guard this year. And he's one of only two, one of two freshmen that started an exhibition game. You know, in the last time Painters started two or more freshmen in the exhibition game was anybody? No, uh, it was baby boilers. The baby boilers when he started. Etwan, Robbie, and JJ. Um, so yeah, you know, there's a lot of hype, a lot of hype coming in this year on Braden Smith. So can I have a have a small alert before we uh, uh -oh. before Is we continue? Um, <laughs> Purdue's ACC Big Ten opponent, Florida State, dropped its season opener against right. Stetson. Oh wow, 31st ranked strength <laughs> schedule got a little easier, I guess. Huh? Yeah, right. Well, I think it's uh, worth noting TCU, 14th ranked TCU, one by one point against Arkansas wow. Pine Bluff, who an IU fan was telling me on Twitter the other day that we lost two in the tournament. Uh, so <laughs> I wasn't going to correct him and say it was Little Rock, but they said that over <laughs> and over again. Yeah, but like but like Painter said, you know, there's not a whole lot of stock you can put in the top 25. Mm -hmm. um, you know, at the this beginning of the time, year, it's all about, yeah, it's all about. Yeah you know later on but that's still crazy though especially hearing stetson beat uh florida state that's why yeah i think that's a big deal just yeah. just in general because you know there's always one or two that just come out and you're like uh what mm -hmm. anyway no go you're ahead. good Sorry. you're good um so i was very hyped when i saw that i had the first pick in this draft because i've got a kind of a top nine and i think it's a pretty clear top nine in my opinion of who could be in the rotation and who could play some significant minutes for us this year. And so knowing that I had the first pick, I knew I was going to get three of those guys. Now the last two kind of get left for me, but I'm still very, very happy to pair these two with my big man, Zach Eady. So the first guy uh, I was who I thought that Frank was going to surprise us with, with his second pick um, because of the stats that he looked up and the background that he did on him. But I'm going to take the yeah. transfer senior out of Tacoma, Washington, uh, via Utah and about five other schools, um, David Jenkins Jr. 
So he's going to be my guy. That's going to he's going to find that open spot on the floor when Zach Eady's getting he's getting doubled, and Eady's going to kick it out, and he's going to have a nice wide open three. So that's uh, that's what I'm taking to pair with Edie first. And the second guy is the other freshman that we were talking about, starting with Braden Smith in the exhibition game. Um, I'm going to take Fletcher Lawyer to round out my squad out of Fort Wayne. Yeah, I think uh, one thing that's kind of stuck out about him last year, you know, at, at playing in the, at the Power 5 level, um, he was 75% on open threes on off-ball screens. So he's a guy you you know you 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 have to respect his shooting ability when he's open. Um, so really really good pick there. Um, I guess I'm going to have to go with Brian Waddell because that's literally the rest of the like other than Cameron he or Camden Heady. There's really not. I mean we're into walk-ons, so um, I'm gonna go with Brian Waddell. Okay, Russ, can you uh, feed me back your team again? It's Zach Eady. Um, yes, the winning team is um, Zach Eady, David Jenkins Jr., and Fletcher Lawyer. Okay. Yeah, the, really, the third and fourth pick gets screwed in this. I'm ex- I'm I'm actually excited about my third pick. I. Well, good. Um, it's you. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll get the I'll get to the other. I'll I'll do that after the after we're done here. Um, so my third pick, uh, my final person to round out this team is somebody that, um, you know, maybe doesn't get a lot of minutes, but I think that I anytime I watch them, I'm like, man, they could probably like if they were at, uh maybe a lower level D one school or um school, you know, they could probably. I don't know if starts the right word, but definitely be in the rotation. Um, I just like the way that they play. I think they've just got a lot of uh, just good movement. Um, I'm going to go with Carson Barrett as my number okay. three. Um, I really like the way he plays. Um, I like when he comes in and just watching him because he just moves really well for a walk-on um, for a guy that doesn't play a lot. Uh, I think he could elsewhere, so it's cool that he's here because he's also like a – you know, um, like a legacy player as well with his dad, I believe, playing for Purdue back in the day. So I'm going to round out my team with Carson Barrett. Uh, yeah, I guess that leaves me with the – is this the last yep. pick? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I got to go with Fletcher Lawyer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice up try. What? <laughs> Russ has up. Fletcher. Oh, he got picked? Nice. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I must have missed that. Uh, I've I, uh, been checking them off, and uh, yeah. Um, well, I guess I'll go with uh, uh, Cam Heidi then. He was my, my backup. So, um, guy, you know, he 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 was hurt his senior year, didn't play a whole lot. He only played three games his senior year in high school, but uh, extremely athletic. Uh, I think he has a lot of potential there. Uh, was a forty percent three point shooter in high school, so. Um, yeah, I think uh, with him, uh, he will kind of round out my Swiss Army knife of a roster. You know, three guys who can you can be you know kind of be used interchangeably. Um, so I think he'll fit in pretty nice. And uh, you know, Fletcher Lawyer also would have uh, fit in there pretty nice. But yeah, gonna have to go with Cam <laughs> Heidi. Um, you know, one thing I forget about Lawyer too is he he won the national three point shooting contest in high school. Yep. Trivia time. Who was the last player we Ryan had who Klein, won the national baby. three point shooting? <laughs> Ryan Klein. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I clearly have the best team from a three on three standpoint. You know, everybody's really interchangeable, can kind of do everything on the court. So, um, I think it's best a clear as far as like here. the three of y'all, like who's going to play my team in the championship? I get it. I get it. Okay. Respect. I mean, I think I think the name of the game is don't let Edie get the ball. Um, you know, when when you're playing you, and so you just got to have three, uh, you know, swarming guys yeah, and uh, to you know stop them from getting the yeah, ball. Yeah, I think uh, you know in this scenario, Edie's gonna have to cha- channel his inner Trevion Williams and be ready to kick that ball as soon as somebody jumps on him with the double, for sure. I'm just gonna plan for him to bring the ball below his waist. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> something that. Something that popped in my mind earlier with thinking about Trevion Williams is 
you know, one of our big problems last year was Painter always said we, we tried to be too cute at times. Yeah. This is a team I don't think we're going to see that with. Um, you know, nothing against Trevion, but uh, he sometimes tried to make passes a little harder than they needed to be or a little fancier than they needed to be. And um, he was working on draft stock on some of those passes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes you'd make a pass and you'd say, how did he do that? And sometimes, you know, he'd make a pass and he'd say, what Why are you doing? So, um, but, you know, last year's team was so talented, they could get away yeah. with some mistakes. And from what Brantley described, it sounds like they understand that maybe they're not as talented, not that they're not talented, but they're not an elite, you know, level team like we had last year. And so they can't afford to make those yeah. mistakes. The, so, the last yeah. note I'm going to make on yeah. the things that coach Brantley was saying tonight is he brought up a good point that's, uh, you know, they were preparing quite uniquely for Wisconsin-Milwaukee tomorrow. And that was due in part to it's a new head coach. And I think they're returning like two players from last year's squad. And only two. Yeah. yeah. Their best. Their yeah. Best player so left. There's going to be a lot of matchups this year where you're going back because what they were doing is looking at tape from Queens because their coach came from Queens and I can't remember his name mm-hmm. on top of my head. But people are going to go back and look at players tape from their previous schools as they face them on their new team, especially early in the year. So these coaches have their work cut out for them to prepare for a game. I was also very impressed that Coach Brantley's talking about Coach Lutz being upstairs watching an internet feed on Wisconsin-Milwaukee tonight. And Painter repeatedly has said, all we're thinking about is Wisconsin-Milwaukee. That's all we're thinking about. We're not going to take any game lightly. That's how hard this coaching staff prepares. They They could sit there and prepare for Oregon and and for going out west and the matchups we could have in the, out there, but they're not. They're saying, hey, we're going to put all our effort into watching tape from some guy in Queens, New York, that just got a new coaching job at Wisconsin-Milwaukee because you cannot stumble and have your resume take a hit like that first game of the year. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they have a GA watching – yeah, the, so I was so actually future, ironically. I mean, yeah, great point. I mean, that that's ironically, a, I, I was listening to like uh oh, what was it? It was uh like ESPNU radio or something like that, and they had somebody mm-hmm. on. I think it was actually um like LSU, some like an LSU assistant, and they do like they they were like, Yeah, we were it was Bama all week, blah blah blah, you know. But like three weeks ago, there's like a guy who's like poking his head in looking at like Alabama football games or, or, you know, stuff like that. So there's always some low level guy who is trying to make a name that is sitting there watching every football game, taking every set of notes he can. So, Mm. but no, yeah, I, I think that's how it should be. And I think sometimes we got caught looking ahead last year, you know, Um, I, I think that's very much, I think we got caught looking ahead in the tournament last year and that's what got us dinged out. Yep. And yeah. Painter did uh, didn't offer a whole <laughs> lot in terms of what we can expect from that team, um, you know. But they are close to 350 ranked in Ken Palm. And one thing he did say is that he does expect them to press, so that should be fun. Oh, that'll be a good time. We're yeah. really good against the press historically, <laughs> so it'll be great. Um, I mean, so we have. Quick, I mean, we are after one season. Yeah, yeah. Over the squad, uh, real, real quick though, before we before I start wrapping up. Um, Russ, are you sure you didn't draft Braden Smith at some point? I thought you no, were. Chris I took me. Braden Smith. He took you him. Took yeah. Braden. So the squads that I have. Oh wait, who took the Brandon squads Newman? I have are. Do I? Who took Brandon Newman then? Uh, Brent did. I did. Round. Yep. So oh, I've got okay. myself with David Jenkins Jr., Fletcher Lawyer, and Zach Eady. Chris Five O Ghost has Braden Smith, Brian Waddell, and Caleb First. Damon Ultimate Boiler has mm-hmm. Ethan Morton, Carson Barrett, and Trey Kaufman Wren. And Frank, the stat tank, has Brandon Newman, Camden Heidi, and Mason Gillis. The best team. Oh, I don't have mine on here. I'm like, where's my? Uh, you I gave like, up on them already. Didn't put your teams, team down. Okay. Wow. Well, so <laughs> three teams will be in the pool, you all, when we post on Twitter. So don't be alarmed. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We've got TKR. I think it's just a question of whether I'm over or under fifty percent of the vote. I think that's really the question this time. It's not gonna be a seventy percent domination like Man, it was last so time. But yeah. Man. All right. Well, um, we'll go ahead and wrap up here. We're at the uh just a little bit over that hour mark, and uh we've talked about everything we we're wanting to talk about tonight. And I think we had some good discussion. I think we um had some good discussion about football. Uh, we're talking about basketball. 
Um, obviously, we're all super excited for tomorrow. I think it's going to be uh, really I'm actually going to the game tomorrow, so I'm excited to, to drive up there tomorrow. Um, afternoon, head up there to go see some people I haven't seen in a while, um, go to the game, you know, uh, you know, uh, hopefully just see some really cool stuff, see this team just gel and become, um, you know, uh, just build on that chemistry and, and just everybody have a great game tomorrow. So hopefully that's um, that's the way that it goes. Um, so thank you guys so much for tuning in really quick before we sign off, though. I uh, just wanted to give a big shout out to our next week's guest. Um, you know, we're pretty excited about it. Uh, Frank in particular is probably pretty excited about it. We're having uh, oh, Joe, yeah. Jackson, Joe Jackson uh, on the podcast, formerly, uh, what was it, Purdue Basketball Analytics? Uh, was yeah. that his Twitter handle? Yeah, uh, someone if you're not following, then you need to be. So really, really smart guy. Um has great breakdowns of plays, um, great statistics. So big data and analytics guy. So we're excited to have him on here next week, maybe kind of break down the Milwaukee and Austin P game, uh, or maybe just Austin P because I'm sure he has a ton of information on, you know, each game that he watches and everything just from um, seeing the threads that he posts and everything, which is really cool. So Joe, if you're listening, we're super excited to have you on next week. Um, again, thank you everybody for tuning in. Uh, we love doing these. This is a lot of fun. And uh, we hope to see you next week. And uh, boiler up, hammer down, and beat Milwaukee. Boiler up.